0: Continuing on then, so when we read those scriptures, he's telling us of the dangers of those who are not content with godliness and what can happen. And the more materialism and the more things of this world, it captivate him, and he loses his faith. Oh, I'm not talking about he don't believe in the Lord anymore. Most people believe in the Lord. He's going to consign them to hell. He's going to say, I never knew you. Oh, they still believe they're okay. Many of the prosperity people think they're good Christians. They're not, if they're materialistic. Okay? A materialistic person, a greedy person. Like he said, is a covetous person, and a covetous person is an idolatra. And Paul makes it plain, and you know, no idolatra has eternal life. So he he splits through everything. He gets right to the point. So discontentment and earthly things shows a shallow spiritual state. It borders on greed and worldliness and what was his answer to them? What well, he said down and we should read this because it's misquoted so many times. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what stated, but that's not true. It doesn't say it's the root of all evil. The translation is it's a root of a evil, of many evils, and that's true. Which some have strayed from the faith. Why have they strayed from the faith? Because they're worldly-minded. They're not following the Lord. They're not content. They're not moving in spiritual things. So whatever relationship they had, they're losing it. They're losing their relationship because this is, luring them away. The God of mammon, money, things, okay. It said what they strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Talk about spiritual sorrows. It's going to cost them mm-hmm. to go back into the world. And we just need to read one more verse, the first part. But you, he says, O man of God. So he's saying, you're a man of God who's I'm talking to. Flee these things. What things? Greed, covetousness, materialism. And then he goes in to spiritual things. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Well, those kind of people have lost the fight, and they forfeit it. And he says, lay hold on eternal life. So much for once saved, always saved. He says, you stay in your faith, and you cannot be doing this if you're covetous and greedy and materialistic. And that offends many. Well, who's going to be offended on a day of judgment? That's what we'll we'll see. Okay. And now we go to verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Well, sometimes as you walk the Christian life, you'll find that it's not possible with people. Because some people are wicked and mean. And no matter how you try to make them right, they hate you anyway. But he's saying, in general, be at peace with people. Don't be a rioter. Don't stir up trouble. Don't be a gossiper, a slanderer, because that's what does it. Let them talk, but you don't join into this stuff. So he's saying, it's possible. Be at peace. But like we say, some people are very wicked, and they're evil, and no matter what you do, they're going to hate you because they're full of demons. And God's going to take care of them one day. Most of the judgment on the world will be because they mistreated Christians. That's the thing. Oh, they were already offended God. But when they thought he said, I will avenge. And we'll get to that scripture too. So if humanly possible, as far as you are concerned, be at peace with all men. Try not to be in disturbances and problems that are of the world and listening to stuff and taking sides with people and all that kind of stuff. But the world hates us. Remember, Jesus said they do. They hate do-gooders, okay? But if you're not a do-gooder, you're going to end up in hell. So, see, and that's what Jesus said. If you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you before the Father and the angels. So if you're going to be a Christian, you have to let people know it by your lifestyle, even if you don't preach the gospel. The Bible said a a woman could win her husband to the Lord without a word. Well, that sounds astounding, because usually the women jabber too much. Paul said uh, what's precious to God in a woman was a meek and quiet spirit. Well, we don't see that much today. They run the house, they run the church, they run everything. Run the governments. Uh But God didn't change his mind. He didn't say he'll put up with it. He's considering all these things. So the world hates us, and we have to do good and stand for the Lord and not deny him. We deny the Lord either verbally or, like Titus says, our works prove we've denied the Lord. We don't live right. We're not do-gooders. We live like the world, and the world doesn't see no difference. And see, I saw a magazine recently, and it named five or six well-known evangelists and ministers and it was telling one of them had seven hundred sixty billion dollars one had a hundred and some million, 60 million see the world looks at that and says oh what paul told us they'll make merchandise of you see even the world can see the greed why would a christian man have that kind of money and die in that state and leave all of that to what why does he have that much We'll see that when God prospered people, it was for ministry mainly. It was to do good and help people. It was not to live in luxury. So even the world can see these uh, false people. Okay? Okay, so some will hate of the world, and some will not forgive wrongs, and if they think we've done something wrong, they'll be vengeful and malicious, and no matter what you say or do, it don't matter. They're going to be that way because they're evil and God is going to take care of them at the day of judgment. But Christians are not to be so. So at times it is not possible to be at peace with people because they're mean people and they're enemies and they got the devils in them. Okay, So we leave those to God who stores up their evil and their wrath to the day of judgment. He doesn't overlook anything and he will avenge his own. But it's in his timing and not ours, he often uses the wicked to mold the righteous, teach us patience and endurance, and how to suffer for the Lord when necessary. Okay, 19, again the word never, don't ever do it, he says, take your own revenge. He said, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. Does he speak of forgiveness here? No, he doesn't. He's dealing with the world. People think they have to forgive everybody. They don't teach that. We are to forgive Christians. And we can forgive the world for certain things. But for certain things, we may say, I forgive you, but God isn't forgiving them. He will deal with them one day. But we are to let things go and let God do that. So we can deal like the world that way. Well, we'll forget it course, they say that, but most of the world don't ever forget it. People say, you have to bury the hatchet, and then some people say, but I'll leave the handle up in case I need to use it again, see, because they're not really forgiving anything. They're holding it in account like the Lord's going to do against the wicked. He's not using the hatchet in many cases, but there'll be a day he uses that hatchet, okay? And he's quoting the Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. This is Jehovah speaking. I will repay, says the Lord. He will repay what wicked people do to his people. He'll store it up, and he will take it at the day of judgment as what they did to Christ. He said, Whatever you did to mine, you did to Christ. The Jesus said you did to me. And remember when Paul was persecuting and thinking he was doing God's will and Jesus appeared to him, he said, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say my followers and he didn't know. See, Jesus was linking himself with his disciples and his. So he was saying, Paul, what you're doing, you're doing against me. And that sort of opened his eyes a little bit. So we we put up with certain things As God's children and his servants, it's his place to take avenge. Remember, we're not our own. He didn't tell us to do that. He said, I'll take care of it. So we're his slaves, love slaves. We're his children. It's his responsibility to deal with these things when he sees fit. It's our responsibility to learn long suffering and patience and putting up and forgiveness. See, that's our job that he's trying to teach us, which humanly is often hard, okay? So we do and will suffer for Christ's sake. We are not our own. All Christians suffer. See, we're not all being beaten by the government. We're not being abused by people. See, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. The world hates us. And if we don't suffer that way, we suffer but fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. So by putting down temptation and not yielding, we're suffering for the Lord. We're not living like the world. We're not enjoying strictly ourselves and our lusts and our desires. That's a form of suffering. It means you deny yourself for Christ's sake. He said take up your cross daily. It means when it comes to your will and God's will, you give up your will. And you do what he wants. Your nature might say, but I'd rather do this. Well, that's fine. You just don't do it. And that's what's called temptation and trials. And we have to overcome these things. That's how we are matured. Okay, 20. And he's still quoting the old. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So we can put up with many insults and abusive actions and gossips and slanders, many falsely, because Jesus said that would happen. They would accuse you falsely, and they will. But God is good, the scripture says, to the evil and unthankful. Why is he good? Because when they do a great sin, he doesn't strike them dead and send them to hell, which he has a right to do. And he can judge anybody in the world when he sees fit, but he puts up with them. He said he's holding off and hopes that they'll consider things and eventually repent. For it's not God's will that any perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's why he's long suffering. And he puts up with a lot. But he doesn't overlook anything because justice and holiness cannot do this. And he's not going to, he doesn't will to do it. But he'd rather have mercy than judgment. He'd rather have repentance. He says he finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they repent, they turn to the Lord. Okay. So God is good to the evil and unthankful, so we must be at times the same way. We overlook things that people do. We don't bring it up. We just let it go on. Sometimes it surprises and stuns these people because they're expecting revenge and retaliation because that's how the world lives. But we're not catching up with them and, and getting them back. And But what does it do to them? Because it catches them off guard. It disturbs their conscience. It bothers them. See, they don't, can't figure this out. Why would this person be nice to me, what I mean to him? And they want to know that. And it bothers them because God is even in the wicked. They have conscience. And it's the inner law that says, you've done something wrong. Or Why is this person being good to you? And sometimes it disturbs them. They can't handle it. They feel guilty. They feel bad because their conscience is enlightened them. Yet some are wicked. And God will visit wrath and judgment one day, whatever's not repented of, if not turning to the Lord. Every idle word that a wicked man speaks, he's going to answer for the day of judgment. And the Christian, everything he does... The least service was back then was to give some water, because they lived in desert areas a lot, was to refresh them and wash their feet and give them something to drink. And that was considered the least common courtesy as offering someone a cup of coffee or something like that. And he said, it'll not be forgotten. So God will reward that. And again, for people to say, well, I don't want no reward. Go ahead and insult God. You'll find yourself in a bad shape. That's self-righteousness. That's arrogance and pride. Think you're better. Oh, and some people, you know, they love to do good for people, but they won't let nobody do good to them because they're proud. And sometimes God'll put them in a position where they'll have to do it. And people be nice and they'd rather not. But God is saying, But I'd rather they do it. Because you need to be humbled. You know better than anyone else. And everybody has problems and needs. So we have to let the body of Christ sometimes help us. We're not self-sufficient. If we're in prison or we're put somewhere where we by ourselves, then the Lord's grace is sufficient. But it's not for people who just don't want to meet with anybody and do anything. I've heard many people say, I don't want to owe anybody. That's because you're proud. You shouldn't owe them in general, but it's your pride that offends you, your worldly pride. Uh-huh. And you think you're above that and special. You're going to find out you're not if you're a real Christian. And if you claim to be ministering to the Lord, he's going to deal with that. Okay? So he said, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged of the Lord. And so, in questionable things, do good and let people do good to you. And don't insult them by refusing to let them. that shows you think you're better than them. So that's what it shows. That's how they interpret it, whether you mean it or not. Okay, so one day the Lord will avenge and reward. He's going to do both of these, and nothing's going to be forgotten. 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To be overcome with evil is to repay in kind. We're talking about evil now. To take our own vengeance. Yet we are not our own. See, we keep forgetting this. You're not your own. You're supposed to represent Christ. You're bought with a price. You're his slave. Child, servant, and slave. The apostles called themselves bond servants. That was a slave. And it means you represent someone else. So you let him take care. Back then, you abused someone else's slave. You could be taken to court. You could be abused. So, But he didn't take a vengeance. They could put him to death for attacking a free man. So he kept it to himself and let his master take care of those things. So only Christ's Spirit and his help can cause us to overcome evil. Again, it's human for us to repay good for good and evil for evil. But we have to get above that at times. And we have to allow God to give us grace for endurance, and suffering for him. These do not come naturally. People try to do these things, and like the person said, the second time, I don't turn the other cheek, I hit him on a shovel. Well, see, the first time, you were just mimicking it, but your heart wasn't changed. And Peter said, how often must I forgive my brother till seven times? That was complete. Now, it didn't say that they were doing the same sin, Because if he's your brother, you can reprove him for that, and you can deal with him. So he's implying their weakness, and you got aggravated with them, and they get on your nerves, and you're getting tired of it. And Jesus says, you keep doing it. Seventy times seventy, he was just saying, there is no limit. If he confesses and does something wrong, you forgive him. But like you said, with your brother, if he sins against you, rebuke him. And if you ask forgiveness, forgive me. So if he wants to sin seven times, you should rebuke him seven times. And then when he listens to it, then you forgive him. Okay? So people interpreting Scripture from the world's perspective, and that's why they can't be Christians. I said that's you know, it's outrageous, because they don't know the principles that we can deal. Some people just think they're, you're supposed to take everything a Christian tells No. You can break fellowship with them. A husband and wife can leave each other. And yet Paul said, if you do, remain unmarried or be reconciled. But he didn't want them leaving. And he told them, but he gave them permission. He would, you live at peace. If you can't live at peace and you agitate each other too much, he gave permission. Wasn't God's best. But he said, you can't marry again. See, God won't let you do it. So he's saying, rather deal with these things. Okay, now we go into 13. He continues on, but he's changing subjects. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that are existing are established by him. Well, that's a blanket statement. A lot of people try to dance around this. Government, civil governments and authorities are to mankind for order. He's talking about the police state. He's talking about maintaining order in society, which is the opposite of anarchy, okay? Everybody does what's right and takes his own vengeance and robs each other. See, there's no authority, and society breaks down when that happens. So Paul told the Christian, you are to pray for peace in your society because it's easier to get the gospel out when peaceful times are going rather than war and strife, okay? So they keep the order in society for what reason? That there'll be peace and trade and business and people can make a living and live in society. God wants this. All government are not directly under his control. He allows the wicked politicians to rule, but he overrides them. But even they, if they maintain order, In society, he upholds that. So we don't care if it's a monarchy, a democracy. If they uphold, and we'll find out what else wicked governments are expected to do. And God's going to judge them for not doing it. Okay? So there is no authority except from God. Whatever happens and whatever government comes into play, it means God has sanctioned it and permitted it, whether he likes it or not or thinks it's good or not. So when people rebel and take over and this, that, all of this, God, he's allowed it. So he has a permissive will. And he allows things that he's going to judge later. But he permits them. So the religions and the politics and governments, the devil's the God of this world. He's the master of a lot of this. But he has to be overridden. And he can be restrained. And God does. And even wicked government as a whole, sees there must be order and authority of the whole country falls apart. And they can't prosper. They can't make a living. So, even wicked people see this. So, they want this, and God wants this. Okay? For there is no authority except from God. He's permitted to come. So, God's providence permits such, even with evil in it. He's given such the governments to bless or to punish people in society. He said they favor and praise those who do good in society, and we'll find out they are an avenger, and they're to punish. We'll see rehabilitation for the wicked is not in the Scripture. Two-thirds of them end up back in prison because they're not punished properly. Okay? Now, that's against many of these liberal ministers. Oh, just forgive them. They don't know scripture and they're false shepherds anyway. Okay. Caesar's government was wicked, but still punished evil robbers, rapists, and murderers as a whole were put to death under the government of Rome. When people would riot and stuff, the Roman soldiers go in and kill them. See, Rome even it permitted all other religions, and most governments didn't. And the reason they did it, they learned it's good for trade. And if you let people do their own thing, you'll make more money and you'll be able to trade. And they wanted to prosper. So often when they took over people, they didn't overthrow their religion or anything. They wanted them to prosper because they would prosper. So these other people would start paying taxes and give them money, and that's what they wanted, okay? Render service to such, okay? Like Jesus said, render to Caesars what's Caesar's, and give to God what's his. So he's saying you have to submit to a degree to the governments, okay? So even most wicked government, and they got wicked people in them a lot of times, but usually they will confine or punish the gross murderer, the rapist, the robber who hurts people, and things, child molesters, even they'll go after them. And it's intended. Someone has to restrain them. Or everybody would be taking vengeance. Someone hurts their family, they're going to go hurt their family. And they a government to regulate this properly and have laws for this. So no Christian is to be a rioter, a protester, Rebellion! Oh, I don't care if our democracy allows it. God doesn't allow it. People get up and riot and try to overthrow, and they're evil before God. Under the law, He did not allow. He said, "You shall not gather as a mob." Christians were to be quiet and peaceful. And if they were real Christians, they know how to pray, and they get more done by praying than out there running their mouth. And so, see a lot of people the Christian think he has to act like the world. Uh Uh-uh. So we're told this. And remember, Paul's talking about Rome ruling. And Rome was a wicked empire. But he's speaking of Rome, obeying them. And he's telling us why. Okay? He didn't say whether you think they're crooked or not. He's talking about the form of government, the police state. And Jesus even said the Romans had a law and when a Soldier was traveling, he carrying all this stuff. He could compel someone in the country to walk a mile with him and carry his burden. And the Jews hated that because they hated the Romans. They hated them in their territory. And a lot of times the soldiers did it on purpose to spite them. But he said, if he compels you to, to carry it a mile, carry it two miles. He was telling the Christians, surprise him. When you go an extra mile, he's astounded because he knows you hate him, and he knows he's doing this because he's tired and needs someone to carry it, or he's doing it to spite you. So he don't know what to do about this. So it captivates his thinking. So he says, "Go the extra mile." So we're seeing that government is to bless and to punish. Okay, in society. Okay, so he's saying render honor, and service to it. So again, no Christian is to be in rebellion and rioting or with a mob or tearing down things and all. They're not a Christian. They got the spirit of devil in them because he's the rebellious one. He's the destroyer. Okay? Therefore, what does that mean? For this reason, that's what therefore means. Okay? Whosoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So he's saying God set up authority and permitted authority. He didn't say what kind of government. Oh, there were kings. There were all kinds of... He didn't say he cared. But if they're to maintain good in society and order, then he's ordered that. He expects them to do that. And they who oppose the will receive condemnation upon themselves. So it means you go ahead and fight it, and God's going to oppose you. Okay? See, a lot of people try to excuse that. Well, they're doing corrupt, they're doing that, so we can overthrow them. The fascinating thing is, and nobody wants to talk about it because they don't know Scripture. We think the greatest thing, horrible thing we hear all the time, that people were in slavery for a year. Every society over the millennium had slaves. And do you know Paul never told the slave to run away or rebel? He said, submit to your master as unto Christ. Well, that blows their mind. That's saying God in society permits slavery, but he expected them to be treated right. Oh, God's not in it. We've had uh, Christian ministers go at this, and and, and it's of the devil, us it might be, but God permits it. They expected the people to free their slaves. Um, the scripture didn't say that. Actually, when Paul got one of them saved, Onesimus, he sent him back to his master and told him to submit, and then he asked the master if he could use him because he was a Christian, but he put no authority over him. He doesn't go back. See, he was rebelling against his lot, and God never told him to rebel against it. Paul says, "Submit and do good to them as if they're the Lord." And like he tells women, "Obey your husbands as you would the Lord." Well, you don't find many women doing that. Well, many women may not make it into the kingdom either. Okay. So to resist the authority is to resist God. God will condemn the actions and the persons if it does not cease. So people can claim Christianity all they want, and they could quote scripture. Well, most of these people, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you anyway, that think they're Christians. They're trying to put Christian principles on the governments, and God never said to do that. The basic commandments are good, but he's dealing with governments, and most governments are sinners. You don't expect them to live like Christians. But he expects certain kind of order from them. So people, uh, these uh, false ministers and these ignorant ministers, they don't believe in capital punishment because God says thou shalt not kill. No, God said, Thou shalt not murder. And if you read the law, and who says murders should be put to death. The government was to put them to death, not anybody else. Because they were not permitted to live. God ain't changed his view there. Murderers should be put to death, regardless of what the false shepherds tell you. And the do-gooders. They're the false do-gooders, okay? For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior. In most societies, if you're good in society, the government doesn't bother you that way. He said, but for evil. I know we don't like him. The man was wicked and everything. But that Filipino president, when he wanted to cut back on drugs, he had uh, his hitmen go around and assassinate the drug lords. And, you know, the prisons filled up overnight. They volunteered because he said if they turned themselves in, they wouldn't be killed. Well, the people that were peddling drugs or taking it, they didn't want to be killed, so they went in. They were packing the prisons because they knew the government meant business and assassins would ride by on a motorcycle and shoot someone in the head in the middle of the night. And they were always usually people they had examined and said, this guy sells drugs and we want to cut down on drugs. It shows you work there for a while, doesn't it? <laughs> didn't matter that the president might be a wicked man. He wanted to maintain order and do away with this gross drug-lording stuff. He wanted to take care of this, okay? Rioters should be shot. Martial law should be declared. And when people burn stores and cities, the government should shoot them. God doesn't care for it. They're trying to bring disorder. They're not helping society. So rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil behavior. Do you, now he's talking to the Christian, do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise or honor from the same. And that's true. Many governments, when you do good and, and don't cause problems, they give certain rewards, tax breaks, they Deduction, they do things. They can do that because these people don't cause trouble and they want to do what they can do for them. Sometimes the governments try to take care of the poor and the, that nobody's taking care of, but they're using people's taxes and that's what they're doing, maintaining order and trying to alleviate problems in society. So that's what most of it's all about. Okay. Rulers and police and judges. And prisons and jails, people should be afraid of them if they break the law. The robber, the rapist, the murderer should be afraid. They're not much afraid today because they don't put them to death like they should be doing. We spend 25 years on them, give them life in prison, and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to take care of these wicked people when we could be helping the poor and people on the street that need help and the demented and the mental retarded Oh, no, but we spend thousands to maintain an evil person. In Moses' time, they had no jails. You were either beaten, fined, or put to death. A little wisdom there, isn't it? Uh So do good in society as a whole. We're talking about the general. We're not talking about the exceptions and during war and certain dictators that don't function right. He says you'll have no fear. So we're not talking of some of the exceptions, we're talking about the general. Government is to honor the ones who are doing good, and they try to if they're basic, because it's profitable to them, it's profitable to society, and help their lives, and let them live and make business and trade, and then they prosper outward, and when you prosper outwardly, you have money to help people and other people. We're told to do so much for people, And there is a prosperity, but it's not for luxury. It's for helping people and ministries. That's what the prosperity is for. They're it on themselves. They're covetous. But God wants people to prosper, Joe. They can help people. We're always told, give and help. Well, how can we do that? We don't have no money. And the slaves that came into the church, they couldn't give anything. They didn't have anything. And some of the rich Christians uh, said, go sit in the corner. Well, God struck them dead with diseases. And if they didn't repent, they went to hell. He said, I'll chase them so they won't be condemned with the world. So they thought because they had no money, they thought they were better than them because they had money and they didn't want to associate with the lowly. And we just read that. The scripture says, Paul said, associate with the lowly. Don't be high-minded. You're nobody special. You're just like the world. If you start, how much does this person make? Are they good-looking? Do they have power? You're of the devil. You need to reevaluate and get out of the church and live your life in the world. That's how a lot of people do, okay? But they try to claim to be Christians. They're going to be fooled at the day of judgment. Scriptures, they'll be speechless. It means when they see the facts, their mouth's going to open because they're going to see how guilty they were, and then they're going to realize nothing can be done about it. That's terrible, isn't it? It's one thing to know you're wicked. And you to be punished by your evil doing. Quite another when you think like one minister years ago who was a false shepherd. He told people he he was looking to be on the right or left hand of Christ. I thought he's going to be on the right or left hand of the devil, in hell. Okay. So before we go on, let's stop here. We'll just start at uh, verse four in our next lesson. Okay, Lord, give us wisdom, practical application, and help us to see the truth of your word, rather than what the false teachers are teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen.